0: I'm Donna and I'm Carrie and we are Paranormal Chicks episode 239 okay y'all so the other day at work I had no clean to-go cups so I took like a regular coffee cup to work you know girl gotta drink my coffee I took my new pride and joy cup oh the recently deceased yes the coffee cup is from Spirit Halloween and it is the handbook for the recently deceased from Beetlejuice y'all I was so excited about this fucking cup and I like saunter in with my cup, so <laughs> proud of it. Two people knew what it was from. What? One of them was like, oh, I've been so busy. I hadn't had a chance to stop by, but I fucking love your cup. And I was like, thank you. You get me. And Another person was like, I think it's, is it from, is that from, is that from Beetlejuice? How do you not know that? Nobody else fucking knew. What? So many of them hadn't even seen it. I've never felt older. And you fucking love that cup, though. And I fucking
1: love Betelgeuse. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you had thank you videos from us, she showed you all the spine.
0: Like, ooh, it's a spine on the thing. It's like a book. It's a spine. I mean, I was so proud of that cup. Hardly fucking nobody knew what it was. I thought you were going to say you broke it. No, I'd have cried. That,
1: how you said I, you sauntered it? I was like, oh God. Oh, no. When she's trying to do
0: anything, she will fuck it up. Yeah, that's that's a fact. I can't believe that. Well, I guess because it's a cult classic for us. And look, and I work with a lot of people still in their 20s. Yeah. So, Well, not a lot. About half. Also, if they weren't allowed to watch scary movies. But like, even patients didn't know it. You know, we like, I pulled the audience. I mean, I asked a lot of people because, you know, that's what we do. We get everybody involved in (laughs) our rigmarole. I was so disappointed. Also, I have this saying that, well, it's not my saying. It's from a cartoon um, where I say, heavens to Murgatroyd. Have we talked about this on the podcast? I don't think so. That, like, literally, like, one person also knew what I was talking about when I said Heavens to Murgatroyd. I'm like, it's from a cartoon from when we were kids. Legit, I thought it was from the Honeymooners. No, okay. That's to the moon, Alice. That's not what I meant. It's from Snagglepuss. I was, like, sassy. But anyway, and Snagglepuss is who, like, Pink Panther was, like, based off of. Not based off of, but, like, kind of looks like. So, I'll say that at work, and nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about. Well... If you've seen Hocus Pocus 2, this has no spoilers or anything, but they say Heavens to Murgatroyd in Hocus Pocus 2. I have never felt more vindicated.
1: (laughs) Maybe it's because it sounds kind of like Dan Aykroyd would say
0: it to me in my head. And so I... I think that's only because you're thinking like conehead type thing yeah that's, and like that's what it is ackroyd murgatroyd but like they yeah. would be from like it's I, I get that i get that's kind of like have you seen those memes and stuff it's like what color is math Yeah, it's kind of like that <laughs> yeah there's not a really a rhyme or reason to it but you just know i had two colors that came up blue and red yeah those are the most common
1: oh really uh-huh okay well on the Halloween note, I wanted to do some scary movie trivia because we want to see just how much Carrie knows or doesn't know. Uh-oh.
0: Because if you were on the naughty Live... I don't know shit. Yeah, no, she you don't You know, know what? Shit. I did get a couple right. But if you're like, what the hell are you talking about naughty Live? Um, well, to be in the naughty you got to be in Patreon like these Patreoners in addition to the extra episode you get a week we also do a monthly facebook live or well we've started doing it on youtube because quality is a little bit better anyway you get to join this live and we do things like play games or just chat or all the different things so, thank you so much, Jennifer T. from California. Rachel R. from New Mexico. Robert G. from Pennsylvania. And Nicole T. from Missouri. Well, like we said, if you want all that shit we just mentioned, go to patreon.com slash theAPCPodcast. Okay, trivia
1: time. Put your thinking cap on.
0: All right, I'm going to throw one your way. Okay, well, Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, what is it? A A curveball? Oh, uh, a
0: curveball. Well, like you're going to throw me like a, like for a, I'm not going to know it. No, the first one, like I'm going to. Lob it to me. Lob it. Yeah. Go sports ball.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What serial killer inspired the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Ed Yep. Woohoo. Another one. What horror movie coined the phrase, do you like scary movies? Scream. Yep. What is Chucky's real name within the Child's Play film series? Robert the Doll? I don't know.
0: You say his name like that? I don't know. Charles Lee Ray. Never. I don't think I've ever watched an entire Chucky movie. Dang. I wasn't allowed.
1: You did a lot of things you weren't allowed, ma'am. You know, you're not wrong. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so my sister Casey didn't let me watch that. (laughs) What is the official name of the shark from Jaws? One, two, and three. I don't fucking know. Okay, shark boy. Bruce. Really? Uh Uh-huh. I didn't know it till then. But I was like, Finding Nemo. Is that why
0: Finding Nemo named him Bruce? I don't know. My name is Bruce. (laughs) I see you, Disney. Damn. Why's nobody ever pointed that out?
1: (laughs) In Scream, what is Randy's number one rule to survive a scary movie? Never say you'll be right back. Don't have sex. Oh. I mean, that is in the rules. But number one, don't have sex. All the movies. If you have sex and you're a teen, you're dead. What are the three rules
0: that you should know about the mogwai in the movie Gremlins? Don't feed them after midnight. Uh Uh-huh. Don't get them wet. Uh Uh-huh. And don't fuck with my sleep. No. No, hang on. Okay. I can't remember the third. What's some other things
1: you shouldn't do with some plants?
0: The sun? Yeah. Don't let them get out in the sun? Keep them out of direct light. I did watch that movie.
1: (laughs) How many people did Jason kill in the first Friday the 13th movie? Eight. Nine. It was his mom. She was a killer. Oh. In the Rocky Horror Picture Show, where is Frankenfurter from? Sweden?
0: Russia. (laughs) Russia. Why would it be Sweden? They're so neutral. Why would it be (laughs) Sweden? God, I love you, Russia?
1: Transsexual. Transylvania. You said Rocky. What did you tell me? In the Rocky horror picture. Oh, okay. Okay. I blocked out the rest. Where is Frankenfurter from? (laughs) He ain't never been in fucking Balboa.
0: Damn it, I knew that one. I just, this is, look, I have ADHD. I quit listening. Uh Uh-huh. Well,
1: you should do active listening, ma'am. Okay. Just so y'all know, that's why we get in fights, because she won't listen to what I'm fucking saying. But also, I want to know who is more surprised, me or you? Because you thought I was talking about Rocky, and then I say transsexual Transylvania.
0: (laughs) And I was like, mm-hmm. but you said Sweden I'll say, and then not Russia. The <laughs> like, I'm like, where does she get these? Damn it. I'm so pissed because that is something that I would know too. <laughs> oh, God, I'm kind of glad you got that one wrong because that was
1: just too funny. All right. Just a few more, y'all. Uh, what kind of animal mask do the followers of Jigsaw wear in the Saw movie series? One's a pig. That's what his followers were. Yeah. Oh, I thought there was multiple. No, he has his face. That little- Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay. You should know this one. What brand of doll inspired Annabelle
0: from the Conjuring series? Raggedy Ann. Yes, okay. She listened, y'all. I would have known most of these if I hadn't gotten that fucking one wrong. I mean, okay, I got the killing one wrong. But if I had listened to the Rocky question. (laughs) In Insidious,
1: what song plays when the demon is near?
0: Oh, shit, I don't know that. Oh, that's (laughs) Jaws. Just kidding. Which is named? Bruce. My name is Bruce.
1: Tiptoe Through the Tulips by Tiny Tim.
0: Tiptoe Through the yes.
1: Tulips. Yes. Oh, okay. Here's another one you might know. And we'll end on this one. Okay. How many times has Beetlejuice seen The Exorcist? Give me a hint. 900. Not that high. More than 90, less than 190. 187. 20 off. 167. I mean, you were way wrong the first time. Yeah, I don't...
0: Re- like, I, re- I feel like I remember that, but I don't remember that. Now, how many of those answers did you know? Uh, probably like three more than you.
1: Definitely knew the Frankenfurter one.
0: You know what? <laughs> Damn it. I wanted to know that one because I did. Uh-huh. Sure, sure. Since now they all think I don't know anything, let me tell you what I do know. What I do know is Felix Grey is back, and I really needed him today because I left him at home, first of all. Silly me. And today at work i was on the computer so much that i had the worst headache this afternoon and i was like man where this headache come from and i was like wait i've been on the computer literally all day long i mean i caught up on everything but now i got a headache from looking at this blue light mm-hmm. and not having the best blue light blockers on the market you could have been blocking it 15 times more than any blue blocker on the market and just like I said, that blue light, it causes headaches, it causes dry eye, it causes fatigue, and it can mess with your sleep cycle. And we all know how I feel about my sleeping. You like it, you love it, you want some more of it? I literally cannot get enough of it, Garth Brooks, <laughs> or whoever sang that.
1: Oh my god, it's Tim McGraw. And you know that if you're on your phone looking up country music, because that's what I do, tablets, computers, TV, Kindles, all of that
0: stuff, got blue lights in it. And like I said, that blue light really does mess with you. So if you want to block 15 times more of that blue light than any other eyewear on the market, then you need to use Felix Gray. And aside from being the best of the best, they the cutest of the cute. They really are. And they have prescription, they have non-prescription, they have readers, they have kids, they have All of these different options, but like not so many that you're overwhelmed. They have a plethora of the good good. But what they also have is free shipping, free returns, free exchanges. FelixGrayGlasses.com slash creep is where you need to be. I concur. Go to F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y-Glasses.com slash creep. C-R-E-E-P. And like we said, free shipping, free returns, and free exchanges for the cutest glasses you ever did see to block 15 times more blue light than any other glasses on the market. felixgrayglassescom creep. Okay, so my recommendation came this week from the Patreon only Facebook group, and it came from Jessica W. All right, so we are talking about Mary Lynn Witherspoon. So, Mary Lynn was born in 1950, and she had a sister named Jackie who she was really close to, who was a few years older than her. Mary Lynn lived in Charleston and was a French teacher she'd been married before and had a daughter named Jane. Marilyn was absolutely. fucking beautiful. And she was a single mom. And so she had the world at her fingertips because she's smart, funny. Well, I don't know if she's funny, but she's smart and beautiful and all the things. Now this story, you can find it literally everywhere. There are a ton of podcasts about it. There is a show on ID called Obsession Dark Desires. Like there's a ton on this. So if you want to know all the things. I definitely recommend watching that show. But there's, I think, um, NBC did like another Dateline type thing. It wasn't Dateline, but it was like a Dateline type thing. Nightline. Jesus. So in 1981, Marilyn meets and starts dating an attorney by the name of Edmunds Tenant Brown III. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Well, she did teach <laughs> French, so that was actually uh-huh. a really good joke. I know, because he was she she. You damn right. <laughs> He had two kids, one named Molly and one named Edmunds Tennant Brown the Fourth. Oh my gosh. Now, before we go any further in this story, I do want to say that growing up, Edmunds' son was called Tenant. However, even though they were assigned a male gender at birth, that's not how they identify anymore. And Tenant is their dead name. So she goes by Catherine Brown now. So from here on out, just to keep any confusion and to respect someone's pronouns, I'm going to refer to Tennant Brown as their current name, Catherine Brown. And I'm going to use she, her pronouns. So in 1981, Mary Lynn starts dating Edmonds. And like I said, he has two kids and things are going good in their relationship. But Mary Lynn often thought that maybe the kids were a bit jealous because Edmonds really doted on Mary Lynn and Mary Lynn's biological daughter. Marilyn also struggled a bit with Catherine, who was Edmund's daughter, in that she felt like she was just a weird kid. Like, she had trouble interacting with people and getting along with people and just did some kind of weird things. As far as I know, when Catherine was a kid, she hadn't been diagnosed with anything. Later, she gets diagnosed with, like, bipolar, gender dysphoria, and I heard on a podcast, Asperger's, which isn't in the DSM now, it's just autism spectrum disorder. Even then though, some of the things that happen are not behaviors that would accompany those different diagnoses. I'm not saying someone with Asperger's slash autism spectrum disorder is weird. I'm saying these behaviors don't match that. So please know I'm not saying that autism spectrum disorder or any of those different diagnoses are weird. I'm saying her behavior that had nothing to do with those things, weird. Edmund's rich,
1: and... You don't say. Right. I mean, I'm pretty sure his grandfather was rich. Right. Or actually, his great-grandfather was rich.
0: All the way back to when it was just Edmund and not plural. (laughs) (laughs) Just Edmund. Rich. It afforded them a certain lifestyle, like going to a country club to swim and all the things. And on that episode of Obsessions, Dark Desires, it talked about this one time where things got increasingly serious in the behaviors department with Catherine. So they were all swimming and Catherine asks Mary Lynn's daughter, hey, you want to play a game? And she's like, sure. The game was so something you and I would play and have played is who can hold their breath underwater longest. You can. 100. (laughs) Even back when I smoked, I could definitely whip your ass in that. (laughs) But instead of going under, Catherine Mary Lynn's daughter underwater. No, 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 no. So Mary Lynn, of course, like freaks out and like gets her out and, you know, saves her daughter from Catherine drowning her. Yeah, poor Jane. So that's just one of the things that was like, no, this is really bizarre and difficult behaviors to manage. And just stuff like Mary Lynn's jewelry and stuff like that would come up missing. And she'd think it was her daughter. But turns out it was really Catherine the whole time. And, you know, just kind of Catherine letting Jane take the fall for her behaviors, blah, blah, blah. There was just a lot going on. And Marilyn felt like Jane didn't never really feel comfortable. So she didn't want to blend the families permanently. Now, that doesn't mean Edmonds didn't try. He proposed a lot. And she was like... No, I just, I, it's not right for me and my daughter. But she did stay with him for eight whole years. That's hard. I mean, you never know what you're going to do in that situation, but I feel like why stay yeah. if you don't want to make it permanent? By the time she ends it, Catherine is now like 18. While they would still have interactions because they would still be a family, but it's like, it's potential that. Catherine would be out of the house at that point. Yeah, And I mean, that's a long time when you have young kids like that. Like you have literally raised each other's kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm not blaming Marilyn for anything. I'm just talking about like, why do you stay? No, it's
1: nothing bad on her part. It's just, yeah, it makes you want to question things.
0: Yeah, because I just feel like maybe you could meet someone that you did want to spend the rest mm-hmm. of your life with and... You can't do that if you're still seeing Edmonds. Yeah. And Edmonds had full custody of his kids because the mom left and they were with him full time. So it's not like the kids were only there every other weekend or something like that. If the family was together, they were all together. Yeah. After eight years, Marilyn decided that it was time to break up with Edmonds and move on. I wonder what pushed her to do that. I'm not sure. Nothing I really read said what caused it. Yeah.
1: Well, and I'm sure there was like, you know, a stack of things. Right. But I want to know what's the straw that broke the camel's back.
0: After the breakup, Catherine took it what would seem really hard. There would be times that Marilyn would look outside and Catherine would just be standing outside of their house, literally just staring. Catherine, being a teacher, she knew how to talk to kids. She knew how to deal with kids. All the kids and parents and everything loved her. And so, you know, throughout their relationship, she had really taken time with Catherine and really tried to understand her and help her. So when Marilyn saw Catherine standing outside of her house, she was like, okay, well, this is bizarre, but like, Catherine, are you okay? Do you want to talk about something? Like, what's going on? And as soon as Mary Lynn would acknowledge Catherine, Catherine would just, like, turn and walk away. Like, it was like, oh, shit, she saw me. Let me go. But this happened over and over and over again. Even at one point when Mary Lynn moved, like, a town over, Catherine would still show up at her doorstep. And it's like, no, this is, like, 30 minutes away. What are you doing here? This next thing I'm going to tell you happened a bunch of times Um, I got a lot of this information from a website called wickedness.net. I mean, of course, there's tons and tons of articles and podcasts and TV shows on this. But the timeline of some of these things I wasn't exactly sure of. Now, keep in mind, Catherine would be like 18 after they broke up and she's starting to show up at Marilyn's house. After she was doing all of that showing up, I mean, that's scary. Like, somebody just standing outside, I mean, stalking you. Just literally just standing outside of your house watching your every move. Hello, Michael Myers. Like, literally that. Yeah. There were a couple of break-ins in which somebody would break in, and Marilyn was like, no, like, they took my underwear, they took my lipstick, There would be, you know. So, exactly when all of these occurred, I'm not 100% sure you know, as far as the timeline, but just know that those break-ins happened quite a few times. There was one time that Mary Lynn actually was going and staying with her mom for a little like a week or so. And she and her mom were out on a walk. And when they came back, they noticed that some of Mary Lynn's underwear had been stolen. And I think some lipstick at that point. So you got to keep in mind, Mary Lynn had literally been in this child's life for almost a decade. Yeah. And, you know, it's scary that someone broke in and they're showing up. But you got to think we're talking like late 80s, early 90s. We don't know shit about stalking back then, much less have laws in place about it. So Mary Lynn's like, but it's Catherine. Like, I don't want to call the police on Catherine. Like, let's just leave it. You know, like, it's fine. It's scary, but it's fine. What, I mean, what are we going to do? What are they going to do? Right. But Mary Lynn's mom was like, hell fucking no. That's fine. We don't have to call police. But I'm calling Catherine and I'm going to be like, bring my shit back. So Marilyn's mom did just that. She called Catherine and was like, look, we know it was you. If you bring all this stuff back, we won't call police. Just bring it back and leave us the fuck alone. I'm sure she said it in a more... um,
1: Southern, nice way.
0: Blue blood type way, yes. On the phone call, of course, Catherine's like, dead air. Like, you know, not admitting to anything. But she brought it back. So it was really her that, that took it. So they decided not to call police because she did exactly what they asked. She brought it back. And so they let it go.
1: Well, and you kind of think,
0: that's that then. You're right. And after that incident, it really did cool down for a long time. For a solid 10 years, Catherine went cold. She wasn't showing up. She wasn't stealing anything. She was finally out of Marilyn's life. Marilyn starts to relax, live her best life. She travels. She does all the things. But then, one day in 2001, Mary Lynn's at her house, and all of a sudden, she sees Catherine standing outside of her house.
1: Does everyone open their curtains all the time? Because I would never see someone standing outside my house.
0: You would, It. well, no, not now, but before your old house, you would during the day.
1: I keep my blinds drawn. Yeah, I don't want anybody seeing inside my shit, but I got cameras. Yeah, th- that's the difference now. I, yeah, I can see. Who's that? But yeah, I mean, I do the blinds for other people's protection
0: because <laughs> right? no one
1: needs to see that.
0: Like a minute ago when I walked in there and Colby goes, why are you buck naked? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he wasn't complaining. He just asking. Here's the difference, though. This time when Catherine showed up, Catherine's not a teenager anymore. Catherine's a 30-year-old grown-up. Yeah. So it terrified Mary Lynn because... Like, why now? Why is she back? What does she want? And this time when she's standing out there, it was different. You know, before when Mary Lynn would approach her, she would skedaddle. It was like, oh, fuck, she sees me. Let me go. But this time, it was like they were playing a game of chicken. You know, they were staring at each other and... They were what? Staring at each other.
1: I thought you said they were staring at each other.
0: <laughs> no, I don't say staring the way you say Kiri,
1: <laughs>
0: You know you should. But they're staring at each other. And when Mary Lynn finally goes to walk towards Catherine, that's when she skedaddles. But it was just different this time. Around this time is when Catherine starts calling Mary Lynn. Now, keep in mind that as far as anybody knows, Catherine is still tenant she hasn't transitioned. She's going by male pronouns. And when she's doing these calls to Mary Lynn, she's using like a high-pitched voice to sound like a female. But Mary Lynn knew immediately who it was. And when Mary Lynn would say, Tennant, is that you? They would hang up like, shit, bye, you know? Yeah. And when Catherine would call, she would say things like, hey, this is, insert random name, you know, and say, I was calling about blah. you know, just like creating these stories, I don't know, it was just weird. It, but it was these calls were relentless. So again, it's not just like this outward threat, but it's this constant showing up unwelcomed. It's harassment. Sta- exactly. So again though, when you're looking at the time And it's like, is this stalking? What is stalking? And is this even a crime? And that was the thing that Mary Lynn, when people would say like, you need to call police, she's like, I I don't think they've actually committed a crime yet. Like, what am I going to tell police? They're calling me? Well, unfortunately, I feel like that's still today
1: too, because we always say this, that people don't want to bother people. Right. When you don't feel like they've done a crime, you don't want like the cops to belittle you or, Mm -hmm. you know, anything like that.
0: Well, again, Catherine broke into Mary Lynn's house and stole some more underwear. So at this point, her friends are like, this has gone too far. So how is she breaking
1: in? I want to know, like, is she breaking windows? I'm just thinking, how many, like, door locks and stuff has Mary Lynn been through?
0: I think it's because I don't think she was breaking into her house. So Mary Lynn's, now I saw this on um, that Obsession Dark Desire. Mary Lynn said that, well... It was an actor portraying Maryland said that the um, which was very confusing at first I'm gonna be honest it said that Maryland's laundry room was like detached from the house so it was like an, oh. like an outside building. you didn't have to break into the house to get to the laundry
1: Kind of like your grandma's.
0: Yes. That I was going to enclose and put a sliding door to get to from the inside. And then I couldn't buy her house. And then the people who bought it did exactly that. Yes. (laughs) Bastards. So, like I said, her friends are super concerned. And they're like, this has gone too far. Look, we're going to call Edmonds and see what the fuck Edmonds has got to say about his kid. Well, they call Edmonds and he's like, yeah, I got nothing. There ain't nothing I can do to help you. At this point mary lynn is terrified she doesn't know what Catherine's gonna do and she doesn't ever file an official police report but she's got some friends that work for the police department and she calls them and she's like can y'all just keep an eye on my house this is what's happening it's scaring me she even installs an alarm system she gets mace for her purse like she's terrified over the next two years this just keeps happening and keeps happening so keep in mind this has basically been, like, 22 years of stalking.
1: That has to wear a person down.
0: Abso-fucking-lutely. Because even when there was that break, she's still living in fear. Because she doesn't know why there's a break. And she doesn't know if Catherine's coming back or anything. So she's... Mary Lynn is still living in fear. Yeah. Well, in 2003, Mary Lynn sees Catherine standing on her property again. This time, Catherine has a bag of Marilyn's clothes. You know how I talked about before when they would get in these stare-offs and then when Marilyn would go towards Catherine, that's when she would take off. Well, this time it was different. Even different than before when I said it was different. Now it was really different. Mary Lynn is in a chicken stare-off with Catherine. When she starts to go towards her to be like, what do you want? Catherine doesn't move. Catherine's just standing there like, come at me, bro. It is legit a standoff. So this is the point when Mary Lynn's like, I've had enough. And she calls police and she's like, look, somebody's at my house. They're trespassing. I'm afraid for my life. Like, you need to come. The police come and arrest Catherine and she's charged with burglary. Catherine had had some previous run-ins with the law during that time that she went MIA. Burglary, that type of thing. So what they decided was, okay, you know what? Actually, you need to stay in jail until we get this to the trial and sentence you and all the things. So for the first time, because Mary Lynn knows that Catherine is in jail awaiting trial, she's able to finally relax and be like, okay, I'm safe. Like Catherine's in jail awaiting trial. Like she ain't getting out. I'm safe. And just to be even more sure, Mary Lynn signs up for this program called Vine, which is the victim notification system. Now, what this was supposed to do was send her a letter and call her if Catherine got out of jail. So feeling even better about the situation because now she knows where Catherine is and she's got an alert system. She starts living her best life and is finally completely relaxed. But on November 14th of 2003, Mary Lynn didn't show up to work and remember she's a teacher so not only didn't she show up for work she didn't have a substitute in place that's not like her so her friend calls her daughter jane and jane's like nope something's not right like some shit's going down her friend had driven by her house and her car wasn't there but everything looked fine they even knocked on the door and there was no sign of burglary or anything they tried to call her but she wouldn't answer so they called police her daughter Jane lived like an hour or so away. I'm not really sure how long. She lived a little bit away. So it was going to take her a minute to get there. So while she was on her way, she talked to the police and gave them permission to enter the home, like break the door down, whatever, to get into the house and see what was going on. When they get there, police realized that something sinister was definitely going on. The house was a mess. Right by the door, there was an apple there was some broken jewelry. There was what like kind of like a half-eaten breakfast in the kitchen. And there were clothes strewn about, like cabinets and stuff with clothing and all of that scattered all over the floor. And when they got to the bathroom on the second floor is where they found Marilyn's body. She was tied up with tape at her feet and her hands. She was naked and she was lying in water. There was a knife beside her and she had been raped and strangled. Her daughter immediately said, I don't know how, but this was Catherine. Everybody was like, what are you talking about? Catherine's in jail. Like, how could she have done this? She's in jail because Mary Lynn would have known if she was in jail, right? But spoiler alert, they did some digging as this case goes on. And well, come to find out, Catherine wasn't in jail because it was deemed that she didn't need to be in jail, she needed psychiatric care. She was released from jail to go to basically what sounded like an outpatient day type program, but guess what? She hadn't shown up the day of Mary Lynn's murder. So what the police decide to do is, because they think that it is Catherine, they decide that Catherine is probably gonna come back to the crime scene. So what they do is they decide to pull out and let the crime scene go quiet. They're gonna stake it out, but they're gonna make it look like they left.
1: Can you never say pull out again?
0: <laughs> it was not twenty minutes after they did this that Catherine shows up walking down the street. So of course they stop and arrest her immediately. They find the key to Marilyn's house. They find a driver's license for Catherine that had Marilyn's address and Catherine was wearing Mary Lynn's underwear when she was arrested. There ended up being forensic evidence at the scene to prove that it was Catherine. They also found a book that Catherine had been writing while in jail that was kind of like a, they kept calling it like their manifesto. It was like, I saw MLW. Like, it was very clear to get rid of her. And from what they can tell is the plan was for Catherine to kind of become Mary Lynn, because Catherine had used Mary Lynn's credit card, and the package that she had ordered with Mary Lynn's credit card came the next day. It had a wig that looked just like Mary Lynn's hair, it had fake breasts, it had makeup, and a video of drag queens showing like how to do makeup and stuff, and just all of these things for. Catherine to do to almost like take over Mary Lynn's identity. Catherine ended up pleading guilty and was sentenced to life without parole. Now here's where things get kind of different. The Vine, the victim notification system. They did send a letter to Mary Lynn to tell her Catherine was out of jail. However, it arrived the day after her murder. Golly. Even though she got the letter, the information was not right in the letter yeah gosh and she did get phone calls but it was an automated phone call and she was gone from the house so she never got the calls mm. but again even if she had gotten the calls the information was wrong they had that Catherine was going to a psychiatric facility and that wasn't the case she got out and yeah. like, like a outpatient type thing. But the information they were going to give Mary Lynn was saying like, it, no, it was like an inpatient treatment facility. Yeah.
1: I've heard of this case and that always just like breaks my heart.
0: Now, since being in prison, Catherine has come out to say that she was not in a good place when she pled guilty and that her attorney was terrible. She's now saying that she's innocent. In 2016, Catherine made the news again because she wants gender affirming surgeries. And the South Carolina Department of Corrections is like, we're not paying for your elective surgery. Sorry, we're not doing it. Now, what they will do is if you are on like a hormone replacement Mm -hmm. therapy before you go to jail, they will continue to provide you with that while you're in prison. Yeah. But they're not going to pay for you to have this surgery while you're in prison. Right. And Catherine's thing is like being in this body is more of a prison than you can ever give me in prison, but they're like, it's an elective procedure. Like we're we're not we're not gonna do that. Now, one good thing to come out of it though is that Marilyn's family really fought to get some laws changed. And they got the Mary Lynn's Law. This increases, like, victims' rights, stricter penalties for stalking. It even helped change the Vine system so that, like, it keeps calling until it gets somebody, basically, you know, that kind of thing. So some good did come of it. But this is just a heartbreaking stalking case that, you know, I think was at a time when people didn't really understand stalking and I mean, not that we do now, we still don't, but for sure there were no strict or laws, period, but for sure not strict laws in in place to protect victims of a stalker. And even now, they vary so much state to state that it really just depends on where you live if you have the support of law enforcement. Right. There's just so many times that a stalking case will inevitably lead to this if it's not handled properly. Yeah. But it's so hard because it's like, how do you prove it? You know, it's like, you got to create a paper trail for sure yeah. of the reporting. And Mary Lynn just didn't know that because, she, again... She was like, It's not illegal to call me. It's not illegal to just be standing there, you know, especially if they're on a public sidewalk or something like that. You Mm -hmm. know, it's one thing if they're on your property and they're trespassing, okay. But if they're like on the public sidewalk, on the road, in a store, following you, Mm -hmm. she just didn't think that there was a crime happening for her to report. Yeah. But before we talk any more about Mary Lynn, and get into Donna's story, we got to talk about Apostrophe. And y'all have heard us say it once, twice, thrice the lady, Apostrophe has got the skin care for you. And if you watch TikTok, uh, you know skincare, it's
1: confusing. Apostrophe helps you uncomplicate that whole thing. It is an online platform that connects you with an expert dermatology team to get customized treatment for your unique skin.
0: And here's the thing. Acne, that is their wheelhouse. But like, they're like a car. They got lots of wheels. They can do rosacea. They can do fine lines and wrinkles. They can do acne, back knee, chest knee all of the acnes also they have topical medications but oral too how do you do that they ask Well, that's because an expert dermatology team is the one creating it for you. Because you're doing your first consultation with a board-certified dermatologist. All you have to do is fill out an online consultation, and it's all
1: about your skin goals, your medical history. You snap some selfies, and that's when the dermatologist, like Carrie said, board-certified dermatologist, they're going to create your first customized treatment plan. And
0: you're going to beep-boop-boop-boop-boop. Get on the phone with them and say, this is what's going on. And they'll say, well, this is what I'm going to give you. And then they ship you out the product. No waiting in line. No waiting in an office. You get it directly at your door. And you get a treatment plan that is tailored to you. And that's so important. Because it really does take the guesswork out of what you're supposed to get, why you're supposed to get it, because it is designed just for you. And also just for you is a special deal. You can get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash creep when you use our promo code creep. That's a savings of $15. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash creep,
1: click begin visit, then use our code creep at sign up, and you'll get your first
0: visit for only $5. Hello, that's apostroph com slash creep and used promo code CREEP after you begin the visit. Okay, so here's my question. Do you think that they should pay for that gender-affirming surgery?
1: It's hard because it doesn't directly affect me. So I feel like, well, you can have an opinion about it, so I'm just gonna give you my honest opinion. No, they shouldn't pay for that surgery. But 100, they should continue anything that you started in that process before you got to jail that can cause so many different issues. Yes, I definitely agree with that. I feel like... But also, before we go any further, I believe that insurance should cover that. If you're not in
0: jail, insurance should cover it. Right. Well, and that's my thing too, is I feel like our system's fucking broken. But I don't think it's fair that she would get her surgery paid for And someone on the outside who didn't murder someone doesn't. Right. That's not fair to me. However, I want to say that I 100% support gender-affirming surgeries. And when I say elective surgery, I'm saying that having that surgery is not a life or death matter for an inmate. However, I'm not saying that it's a choice to need that surgery
1: right that's why i think insurance should cover it
0: right it's a delicate topic but I, I think that it wouldn't be fair for us to we give our opinion on everything else and i think that it's not fair for us to not own this mm-hmm. while some people may not like our opinions either way it's what they are now again i want to be very clear to say that i 100 support someone who feels that they were born the wrong gender and that they want to change that support that and my problem is with someone who literally murdered someone getting that opportunity over my next door neighbor who is working three jobs to be able to pay for it. It's a it's not fair game for me and I don't know if that's the right answer, but that's how I feel right now. Yeah, same. And I am 100% open to other opinions, and you you could change my mind. But my gut reaction is, I don't think it should be paid for.
1: Okay, so this is not what I should follow up with, because that's really a super serious topic. But people still in panties and stuff, that's terrible. But do you know, I probably wouldn't notice any other pair of panties, but I will tell you my top three are my top three. And if someone
0: stole those panties, I would be so pissed. That's funny that you say that because when I was looking into all this, I was like, I would not notice if a pair of my panties went missing. Well, no, because you have two drawers full. Because when Lane Bryant's got their 10 for 30 or whatever it fucking Mm is, I'm fucking buying that shit. Yeah. Because panties are expensive
1: as fuck. My top three are from Torrid. Well, I had three, but one of them, the holes just got too big. (laughs) It was a sad day. And they don't make that one anymore. And it was a sad day. It had freaking bats on it. So I had to replace that one. So I still have a top three, but RIP to those favorite, favorite, favorite panties.
0: I know my favorite, favorite pair has all the villains on it. It's from Torrid. Uh Uh-huh. And it's got my little thumb holes through it where <laughs> I, I pull know. them up, those bastards. Yes. yes, But since we're on the subject
1: of panties... Yes, I'm wearing them. I know. I see them in your muumuu. What? Girl, you know I gotta wear my poise pad? <laughs> but no, that's not the question. If you are an extra large pizza or above, do you wear your panties above or below your belly?
0: Well, my belly's split in two, right about the belly button. I got the upper and the lower. And so I wear it in betweenage.
1: Yeah, I wear mine over my belly. And a lot of people on TikTok are like, no, I wear it under. One, I don't have the butt to keep those up if it was like all the way down. Yeah, no, me neither. I would have to borrow Colby suspenders. <laughs> I don't know. That's just not how I ever wore them. And so I don't think I could ever get there. But let me know because a lot of people are below, but I am above. And carry somewhere in the
0: middle. Those are probably the same people that are trying to bring the low-rise jeans back. Yeah, ain't nobody needing the low-rise, okay? No, I need y'all to keep leggings around forever.
1: I have such a long torso that even, like, the high-rise, they're not as high-rise, like, as they are on you. And you have a long
0: torso. Y'all, I gotta have the high-rise because that, like, literally tripled the number of shirts I can wear. Otherwise, <laughs> they gotta be flowy. Because it tucks in your second belly. Yes. It's like wearing Spanx, but not. I can breathe still. <laughs> and don't need help putting it back on. <laughs> well, I'm going to talk about
1: Elizabeth Knapp. She was born in 1655, so we're going way back, in Massachusetts to James and Elizabeth. Some articles say that she was an only child, but I did find that she had a brother named James. James. But he was only four months when he passed away. Aww. Yeah. They weren't too original with their kids' names, though, because James was after James and Elizabeth after Elizabeth. So, you know, they consulted with Edmund's (laughs) great-grandfather. Anyway, Elizabeth's father, he was a farmer. God, that was hard. You worked real hard to get that out. (laughs) I did. And in 1662, when Elizabeth was only five years old, they moved to Groton, Massachusetts. It was newly founded and a place for the Knapp family to set down roots. And that's just what they did. So fast forward to 1671 and
0: Elizabeth was 16. Skidop! Pauls, you know how people have a sweet 16 birthday? Yes. Okay, the other day, if y'all are watching Sister Wives, tell me if you know this part and tell me what you think. Cody Brown, he was talking about one of the daughters was having her 18th birthday party. He thought she was 17, but she was 18. What? Because he doesn't know his kids, but I digress. But he said something about it being her sweet 18, because she didn't waste all of her kisses on boys. And What? So then he said that like, in his little interview, that, like, a sweet 16, I guess a sweet 17, sweet 18, it means that they haven't ever kissed a boy. That's not true. I was like, I thought a sweet 16 was just, like, your 16th birthday. Well, it is, but it's supposed to be, like, your... Like, coming out, like, as a woman, right? Well, sure. Should I let you finish? Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Just like in real life, you come way too soon. (laughs) (laughs) Not too soon, just... Fast! Oh, my God.
0: And again, and again.
1: (laughs) And you keep interrupting. Good Lord. But no, I feel like you're supposed to be virginal at a sweet 16. Like, people who have sweet 16s are, like, debutantes. Yeah. I mean, not for real, for real. Like, they have to be debutantes. But I think it's because they are virginal. And, like, yeah, they're sweet 16. They haven't had sex. They have
0: been a good girl. Oh, I thought it was just, like, sweet, you're 16. Like, not really. But, you know. Sweet. Not really, but it is more of just like a coming out party as like a woman and into adulthood and all of that. I didn't think it had anything to do with your air quotes and eye roll purity. Yeah, I really think it is. We could all be wrong, so please tell us. And I don't know if that was just in their Mormon church. And apparently, we don't have Google. Yeah, I didn't feel like it. It
1: just came (laughs) up, so. Uh, I've never heard of that, so I'm glad you asked. And I hope I'm right on the sweet 16. So there's that. It was later in the year, in October, and she just started acting differently. And everyone noticed, especially her employer. See, she worked as a servant for Samuel Willard. He was a town minister and they were all Puritans. She probably was a sweet 16. (laughs) Massachusetts, you know, in the olden days, Puritans. If you know, you know. One day she was working and she let out a loud shriek. And when Samuel questioned her, she just kind of shrugged it off. You know, he's like, are you okay? What's going on? She's like, "Mm -hmm," and goes on about her business. Like he looked her over and he couldn't see a reason why she would have let out that, like that shrill sound. Well, the days went on and her behavior got more odd by the day. Instead of just screaming, she would sometimes burst out in laughter and then suddenly stop almost as quickly as she began. And that's just kind of unnerving, you know, if someone just like starts laughing hysterically and then stops.
0: Well, it has a name. It's called emotional lability or lability or emotional labile is like the diagnosis.
1: She would continue to do that and she would just shrug, continue to work. Then she started to just burst out in crying fits. And like me, it would turn into laughter or it would just abruptly stop too. So I feel for Elizabeth. I get that. I
0: break out into some crying fits sometimes myself there. Elizabeth. (laughs) Elizabeth? In my head, I said Lizzie, but I said Elizabeth. (laughs) Well,
1: it happened not only while she worked, but when she was home too. On October 30th, James, her dad, he was trying to tell his wife goodnight. Like, before they could just say, goodnight, John-John. John John. (laughs) John John boy. Boy. You You and your name. Damn it.
0: I wanted to do it again.
1: No. First, Elizabeth, and now John-John. You know what you are? You're wrong, wrong. Well, before they could, they both were stopped in their tracks because they heard a loud, wail come from the hall, they found Elizabeth on the floor screaming about her leg and then her chest and then her throat. She said that she felt like she was being strangled and her own hands started reaching around her throat. Her eyes rolled back in her head. And when her parents went over to help her, she just started giggling and giggling and then just fell over and went to sleep or passed out. But they say went to sleep. Then the next day, she told Samuel, you know, the reverend, that she saw two strange-looking people, and they were just lurking. So, of course, Samuel goes out, searches, but couldn't find anyone. So, to be honest, Samuel thought Elizabeth was just, like, pulling a prank or being a typical woman, you know. Gross. Mm Mm-hmm. You're better than that, Samuel. (laughs) Well, he actually is, so, you know. That was me putting that on him. Don't sorry. project your uh, sorry. shiz on Samuel. He's good. <laughs> well, her behavior was reaching an all-time creep factor. So Samuel questioned her what would cause her body to contort and have her scream in pain. And she said that she believed she was cursed by a witch. She said that a neighbor who was an elderly woman... She had raced down her chimney, like... Santa Claus? (laughs) Basically. But I mean, the woman in question did to Elizabeth's chimney. That's what I was just trying to clarify, because I just said, like, she, her. Oh, gotcha. I was like, yeah, like Santa Claus. Yeah, no, you're right. But then she bewitched Elizabeth. And she was the cause of all of her fits that she was throwing. Elizabeth couldn't control herself, because basically the woman was controlling her. But here's the thing. Samuel was like... Okay, something odd is going on here because you are acting very strangely. It really didn't look like she was controlling her body. You know, her body was controlling her. However, he knew the lady she was saying was a witch and he's like, she's not a witch. She's not. So I don't know why you're projecting onto her like Donna projected onto me. But on November 2nd, the truth came out and it wasn't what Samuel thought it was. Elizabeth confided in Samuel that the devil had approached her several times over the past three years. And each visit, he would try to strike up a deal with her. She said that he promised her fine silk clothes, money, ease of labor, everything she could ever want. And all she would have to do is sign her name in his book. Also, she had to sign it in blood. And I'm like, a blood pact is never okay. No germs, diseases. (laughs) But she promised that she hadn't signed the book. She never said yes. It was like she enjoyed the conversations with the devil. She like towed the line, but never crossed it. But over the next week, anytime that Samuel was near Elizabeth, her body would start to shake violently. Her eyes again rolled back in her head. And sometimes she would scream out money. Sin just over and over and over again. That reminded me, it's not funny, but I don't know who started this, but they said, I swear it was on Oprah. I don't know. But they said, do not scream help. Scream like free money, something like something else. And when she said money and sin, but money, I was just like, damn, that started back in the day. They would say to yell fire. Well, that seems logical. But no, someone said to do free money. And I really want to say it was Oprah. People, if you yell fire, they're going to be running. If you yell free money, I'll be running to you.
0: You're right about that.
1: Well, back to Elizabeth, as you like to call her. Sometimes she would start to like choke seemingly on nothing. But then her throat would swell like a balloon was in it. And then it would just subside. She started having these fits more and more often. And so Samuel was like, you have to be honest with me. Have you signed the book? And she's like, no, but... The devil really is everywhere. And now that I've been talking about him, he is all around me. She said that he took on many different forms, an old man, a dog, and even like a black knife. So now Samuel's like, she's hallucinating. What's going on? So he is worried about her. He's like, look, she's telling me this, and it could be that she really is telling the truth about the devil, cause her body's doing some weird ass shit. But also, like, what if something's really wrong? So on November 5th, a doctor from Concord, he paid a house visit and he was like, oh, she is sick and it's from stomach issues. That is vague. It's vague, but also I'm like, you know what? I got stomach issues too and my body don't do that. But he basically was like, she's got a sour stomach and it is causing all of this. So what she needs to do is fast. He's so on trend right now. <laughs> well, they tried that. And the next month, there would be days Elizabeth couldn't even get out of bed because she was having these fits. Like, seriously, if she got out of bed, it seemed like she would go into those, those violent, shaking fits. One time, she couldn't stop for over two days. And then her behavior took another turn. She started randomly barking like a dog, bleeding like B-L-E-A-T-I-N-G, like a cow or a calf, I should say. I know, I thought it was a goat, but they said like a calf. Okay, (laughs) you saw my face like, yeah, Um, what? I mean, I haven't been around a lot of calves, but you know, but I was like a goat I have. And then other farm animals too. She said that she was becoming more resolute on signing the deal with the devil to make all of this stop, but she couldn't find a knife to draw her blood to sign the book. But I feel like the devil would be like, oh, here, you know what I mean? Right. But whatevs. But after this, everyone agreed like, oh, she's possessed. But to them, possession isn't the same as witchcraft. It's like you're possessed and that can lead to witchcraft which is like the ultimate sin, you know? Sadly, Elizabeth became a danger to herself. You know, she tried to self-harm. She even tried to throw herself in a fire. Oh my God. And people, you know, tried to help her, but she didn't want anyone to help her. And just think, she's 16. Oh God, no, I didn't remember that. <laughs> just like Rocky and you Frank know and Furter.
0: <laughs> Don't come at me.
1: If anyone tried to help her, she would spit in their face, which you know is a no for me. One time, it took almost five people to hold her down. So there were times if Elizabeth went to speak of the devil, you know, where she would say, oh yeah, we talked about blah. She couldn't. It was like he was forcing her to remain silent. And you could visibly see her struggle and then her tongue would curl up and stick to the roof of her mouth and no one could pry it down. Like it it was again in
0: human strength. Well, I mean, people have those like catatonic states where you can't move them either. Yeah.
1: Also, is the
0: tongue the strongest muscle? Is that a lie? That's a lie. It's like I think it's a lie. I don't know.
1: <laughs> you were so certain and then you weren't.
0: Because here's the thing: mouths gross me out. I mean, shout out to all you speech and language pathologists, because I can't do what you do.
1: You like closed mouth kisses more than anything.
0: Yeah, I do. I just don't like the mouth.
1: (laughs) She would be able to talk about the devil sometimes. And she told Samuel about some stuff. She was like, okay, this one time I was with the devil and he did come clean. And he said, I do want you to sign my book. Like, it's like he has a yearbook. I don't know. But I want you to sign the book, but also I need you to do a few things for me. He's so needy. Mm Mm-hmm. My kind of guy. That's the
0: truth. You think you can fix him?
1: The devil, he kept urging Elizabeth to hurt people, like her neighbors. And then that escalated and turned into instructing her that she needed to kill her parents. And then even kill Samuel's family. And I'm sure this was unnerving for Samuel to hear. But then the devil doubled down on Samuel's family. Samuel's over there going, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, tell me more. You can confide in me. Sure,
0: sure, sure. And his butt is clenched. He ain't laughing and opening like you.
1: <laughs> no, he's not. Well... The devil said he wanted Elizabeth to throw Samuel's youngest child into the fire. And the thing about it is that the youngest child is who she was like directly in charge of, you know, she did a lot of things around the house, but like that kid was like her kid. Well, then the devil kept, you know, he was like, and then I want you to kill Samuel, but I want him to be asleep when you kill him. If you do want to do this, I'll provide a hook for you to use to kill him. She said that from the devil's constant taunts, she found herself wanting to harm that youngest child. She was often overcome with the desire to throw the child into the fireplace or the oven. She said one night she was working late and she believed Samuel was upstairs asleep. Well, the next thing she knew, she was kind of in a trance, and she was walking in the hall to the room with a hook in her hand. She was jolted out of that trance when Samuel asked what she was doing because he actually hadn't been asleep. At this point, Elizabeth pleaded that she needed help and that she hadn't signed the book, and so Samuel did show her grace and compassion and try to help her. By December, she seemed to be a little bit better, and they believed it was from all the prayers from Samuel and other townspeople. But one time in December, she came across Samuel in town, and she was just talking to him, and then all of a sudden, she rose to the tips of her toes, eyes rolled back, and then she poked her tongue out, which seemed too long to be natural, and so Samuel said it was serpent-like. And then she said that her parents were evil rogues and her body began to contort again. And then this deep voice came out of her as she pointed to Samuel and she said, Oh, but you are the greatest rogue. Mm. So Samuel prayed over Elizabeth and requested the others that were present to do so as well. And this is when she came clean and she said she did sign the book. (gasps) that bitch. Right? She said that she hadn't wanted to, but she did. Basically, the devil was like, oh, you don't know how to sign your name? It's okay. I'll help you. Like, just let me prick your finger right here. Ink your blood. I don't know. What? Blot your, whatever. You know, the fancy things that and all the things do. But sign your name. And like his hand guided her to sign the name like Ursula. You know what I mean? And she was like, look, the devil knew how to prey upon my weaknesses and draw me in. Like, it's not my fault. He wore me down. You've seen how I've tried to fight him. Couldn't fight anymore. With this confession, she collapsed to the ground and they continued to pray over her. And then a low voice kept saying horrible things about the townspeople, about Samuel. And that's when they noticed her lips are not moving. So they knew it was the devil speaking through her. After that incident, she said she felt like the devil had left her body. And that was the last known time that she had any incident. We know about Elizabeth Knapp because Samuel kept a diary. And he also wrote letters to his fellow Reverend Cotton Mather, who was in Boston. Later on, Elizabeth married Samuel Scripture, which I'm like, is that a fucking real name? Right. (laughs) But okay. And they had several kids, like 10 of them. And she was a good Puritan woman after that. And then 20 years after all this happened, around 50 miles away, the Salem Witch Trials happened. And so it's odd that not far from this, really bad shit happened. You know, it's odd that she wasn't thrown in jail. She wasn't stoned. She was treated with compassion. But again, we all know the Salem Witch Trials, not so compassionate, but It is noted, and this is why I say Samuel, I'm sure he was bad too, but he was good. He wrote that one could not prove the devil ever existed in anyone in that courtroom. He said he was very opposed to the witch trials. Like, he's like, look, I've seen the devil and it's not in these girls, which you can say what you want to say about Elizabeth, but he's like, nah, this ain't it. Y'all are doing them dirty. And so I just think it's very interesting that he had this case of possession and then also witnessed the Salem witch trials. Yeah. And was so opposed to it. Like, it's not like he's a hypocrite. He treated Elizabeth with compassion. I mean, she tried to kill him.
0: Well, and if what happened to Elizabeth is real, I mean, he's like, oh, the devil in his eyes. And like you said, none of these people are acting like this or Mm -hmm. doing this. There's no proof of them trying to harm people at all.
1: Yeah. Now, a lot of the Puritans believed Elizabeth was possessed. Like, for sure, she was possessed. But it's because she was vulnerable due to the fact she didn't know what kind of woman she wanted to be. I.e., she didn't want to remain a servant. She wanted to live a more luxurious life. Which is why, you know, when you think about what she said the devil offered her, it was to be free of work. The ease of labor, mm-hmm. and she was a servant, and that's what she was going to be. You know, her dad was a farmer, like they were a laborer family. She didn't have fancy clothes or any of that, and so that's what she wanted. And so they said she coveted what others had, especially the dear old Reverend, because he was educated. She didn't know how to write her own name, he was well off, she was not. And then they kind of throw shade. They were like, his life was full of promise. Well, hers might have been.
0: I don't know. No, it wasn't actually because she was a woman in 18, blah, 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 blah. It was
1: 16. But In you know,
0: 16, blah, 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 blah. They said that she was
1: resentful because her life was limited to sweeping his floors, caring for his children, doing all the things she could to make sure he prospered in his life and she suffered in hers.
0: Here's the thing. No one wants to be a servant. Like, that's absurd for them to be like, she didn't know what kind of woman she wanted to be. Well, nobody fucking wants to be that. So apparently a lot
1: of women and a lot of young women were servants in the Puritan times. Yeah, I believe that. I was just like, damn. I, I mean, honestly, I just thought they married him off. They said, ultimately, the greed and the sin allowed the devil to just slip in and take possession of her body, her mind, and her soul until prayer redeemed her.
0: I was going to say, so they were able to just pray it away. I mean, <laughs> in all of the other, like, exorcisms that we've gone over, we've gone over like this class, <laughs> that we've covered, it's like, they didn't just, let me lay hands on you and say one prayer and he's gone. Right, right. Like it was a process.
1: But I mean, she did go through a lot of stuff with Samuel. That's you know, it true. wasn't just like he had this one day, it was a process for them to, but it is different. I'm not saying it's not. Now, some people say, yeah, she wasn't possessed. But what she did do was she rebelled against society's norms. She hated the strict religion. She knew she wanted out of the life that she was leading. I don't think she ever knew that life could be different than what her family experienced. And then when she went to work for the reverend, she was like, oh, say what? If she acted out around the two authoritative men in her life, the reverend and her father, it was like she could act out but get away with it. Because Samuel really didn't want her with his kids anymore when she's like, yeah, I want to throw him in the oven. It's like, oh, yeah, um, you just sit here. You're, I don't know, of the devil. So just sit here and I'll still pay you. And when she said she was working late and wanted to kill Samuel, I mean, I'm pretty sure he didn't say, hey, can you work late again? Right. He's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, call it quits early. I'll still pay you. True. And so if, you know, she didn't want to do something with her dad or, you know, whatever, she, again, you know, was in a delicate state. And so did she use the only weapon she knew she could? Against these men. Yeah. I mean, good on you, girl, if you did. Yeah. I mean, who knows? The devil works hard, but Elizabeth might work harder. However, I think this is something that you would be interested in. So it looks like people with medical eyes, you know, not me, they look at this case. They say that Elizabeth most likely had adult onset Huntington's disease. Why can I not speak tonight? When I looked it up, it said it was a rare dominant genetic disorder And it takes its name from the Greek word that means dancer, which is fitting because of the symptoms of that disease, which appear around puberty. And it includes excessive, irregular, and spontaneous movements of the limbs. But it also can lead to irritability, memory loss, manic depression, and schizophrenia. And they say that sleep is really when people who do have this disease, they're not vulnerable to fits when they're asleep. It's like their brain's asleep and so they're fine. And that kind of was the same for her. You know, like when she would pass out, she was good. There's no cure for it right now, but they do say that there's some medications that can lessen the symptoms. I mean, maybe she did have
0: this. Could have. Well, before we break down your story anymore, we got to talk about Babbel because they are back and we are learning to babble in other languages.
1: Oh, I like it. I like it. You know, words are hard for me. However, it's never too late to start learning a different language and Babbel is a language learning app that's so fun and easy and you don't feel like you're learning lessons with it.
0: Well, partly because it's bite-sized lessons and you can do these lessons in various ways. They're only 10 minutes and you can do games, podcasts, videos, videos, stories, or even live classes. Other
1: language learning apps, they use AI for their lesson plans, but Babel's lessons,
0: they're created by over 150 language experts. And it's voiced by real native speakers, not computers. So that helps you with the pronunciations.
1: Another way that Babbel helps with your pronunciation and accent is that they use speech recognition technology that is top of the line.
0: And they have 14 different languages to choose from. Spanish, French, Italian, so many more. But here's the thing. You get it, you try it, and if it's not for
1: you, which, come on, it's going to be for you, Babbel comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee.
0: Literally, you can't lose. Right now, you can get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babble.com creep. You don't want to miss out on learning a different language. Let me just say that I saw a TikTok
1: and this woman said, Italian men, they love extra large pizzas and uh,
0: guess what language I'm going to start learning? Uh, Spanish? <laughs> no. If you want a hot Italian stallion like Donna, go to babble.com slash creep for up to 55% off your subscription. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash creep. So back to Elizabeth, I, I don't know. I really think there was some medical shit going on. Yeah, me too. I don't think it was the devil. Um, it looked nothing like The Exorcist. Oh, gosh. Just kidding. But seriously, I, I don't think that was the devil.
1: What I do know is I'm glad she seemed to have a really good life. I mean, she married a man named
0: Samuel Scripture. Uh, You know, what's funny is I was like, is she like into Samuel? Oh. And then she married a Samuel. I was like, well, that's weird. (laughs) Hell, it could have been one of his kids. I kind of thought that too. I was like, she didn't marry one of his kids. (laughs) Here's my thing too. Like, how's the devil decide? Why did he pick her? If it was a thing, like, why her?
1: I don't know. But they say, you know, she didn't know life could be different. And then she was working at a different place and was then like, oh, my gosh. And so the devil was like, oh, got a live one here.
0: Hold on. And he... Ooped in there. I just don't see that happening.
1: I mean, honestly, I really think she had mental illness. She was dealing with some other health things going on. And I mean, it was just beyond their knowledge. Like it wasn't just stomach issues.
0: No, although when you got stomach issues, it really does affect a lot of things. It does. But not like that.
1: Now, I know that we might have pissed people off earlier. But one thing I do believe that people in prisons should have is good mental health care. Mm hmm. I was just thinking that Elizabeth might have been suffering with mental illness. And Catherine, she was
0: bipolar. Well, and I feel like there was way more going on with her than just that. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it was, but because I don't know shit. I just pretend to be a psychologist on this (laughs) show.
1: (laughs) I think Catherine always felt what she's now living as her truth. But then also her mom left. And so then she had this quasi-stepmom. But like you said, she was a
0: teacher. She knew how to
1: talk to youngins and all the things. And Well, and
0: she was beautiful. So I feel like Catherine kind of fixated on her a little bit. Because it was if Catherine didn't feel right in her body and she felt like she was supposed to be female and you have this gorgeous female role model that you're like no I want to emulate her I want to be like her that's who I'm supposed to be I think there became a bit of an obsession yeah and I think that's probably the root of it versus you know like you said her mother wasn't in her life anymore and then Marilyn was and Marilyn gave her the attention that she desired and emulated who she wanted to be or who she felt she was supposed to be and it was a kind of a perfect storm in the worst possible way.
1: Yeah, I know it's a sad case, though. I wonder what Edmunds thought of everything.
0: I don't know. I saw nothing about him, so... He's rich.
1: He can pay for lawyers to scrub shit from the internet. Well, yeah,
0: and I mean, you know, I think he really had nothing to do with Catherine because, I mean, Catherine's attorney was a public defender. Really? Yeah, and, I mean, her father was an attorney, Yeah. And wealthy. And her attorney was a public defender. So it doesn't sound like Edmonds was financially supporting her, at least. But I know that she had issues with law enforcement and stuff where she had been arrested for burglary and all of that. But it's like, why then? Like, why come back after all of those years? to start stalking again and all of that you're gone for 10 years like what made you decide to come back then and then why did it escalate and then also if Catherine wanted to be Mary Lynn, I mean which is supported by the wig the license the you know all of the things mm-hmm. so it's like why rape her like why that yeah I don't know I don't know enough about nothing to know
1: <laughs> yeah I know
0: nor do I know the right words so if I'm not using current language please tell me educate me and again like we said like if you disagree with our opinion we're open to why and all of the things so please tell us you know what you think of course as always Be polite to each other. If this is a discussion in the Facebook group, know that no shit is going to be tolerated. So be nice because it's okay to have a differing opinion. So be fucking nice.
1: Tis the season to be nice because it's Halloween. You got tricks, you got treats.
0: And I really like candy, so.
1: (laughs) Hopefully y'all are excited for
0: the 13 nights of Halloween Cause that's coming up. Y'all know the drill. Y'all saw this the last couple years. We got a good time that's going to be had for 13 days. So if you want all the extra shiz, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. In the meantime, don't forget to like, review, subscribe, all the things, and remember, creep it real and, and don't get scared.